It's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup of cheer Have a holly jolly Christmas And when you walk down the street Say hello to friends you know Oh, yes, Christmas Eve on Roto Underworld Radio with Matt Kelly. My gift to the Roto Underworld minions. It's a Christmas Eve broadcast. Yes, yes, with Christmas carols. It's been an interesting week. I sit down to do the show today, and I receive news that Tevin Coleman is in the league's concussion protocol because he slipped in the shower and banged his head. That happened. That just happened. That news was just released. Dan Quinn, the coach of the Atlanta Falcons, said Tevin Coleman slipped in the shower and is in the league's concussion protocol because of it. I've heard it all, I've seen it all, I've felt it all, I've smelled it all, I've touched it all. Every experience that a human being can have, at this point, having read this news about Tevin Coleman, I can tell you that I have experienced it all! What is this? There's no way! If I gave you a fictional scenario, here's how Player X was concussed. Give me the most ridiculous example that you could come up with. In fiction, you probably wouldn't come up with banged his head in the shower. Maybe, maybe you're that creative because I've never heard of that before. I've fallen in the shower. I have. I have fallen in the shower, but I haven't fallen to the extent that I wiped out completely and banged my head. I mean, we've all slipped in the shower. It's slippery in the shower. Think about it. It's wet. There are soap suds. Soap, the substance, is a slippery substance. So you have a slippery substance, and typically the tiles in most showers are slippery. So you have slippery tile, slippery soap, and water. I'm surprised more people don't slip in the shower given those conditions. Those are awful conditions. Very slippery. So when I take a step back and I think about it, yes, I understand why someone would slip in the shower. But it did it have to be Tevin Coleman? Did it have to be Tevin Coleman? Did it? Really? This is another aspect of this fictional scenario that boggles my mind because it's not fiction, it's real. This wasn't a fake story. Now, name the player. Name the player. It could have been Alfred Morris. It could have been Rashad Jennings. Hundreds of running backs in the NFL, but no, 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 no. It had to be Tevin Coleman, and it had to be slipping in the shower. It it had to be that. How could this season end any other way than Tevin Coleman slipping in the shower and getting concussed and missing the final two games? I don't see how the season could end any differently for me as a fantasy analyst. Me. The guy that had Tevin Coleman gliding over a river in the Serengeti, bouncing on the heads of crocodiles, leading a herd of wildebeest over a river, gliding, barely touching the surface. That's how much burst and explosiveness and agility I thought Tevin Coleman had 
coming into the NFL. That was how I chose to illustrate it, with that fictional scenario. And to go from that to slipping and falling in the shower and being out for the year, that's just perfect! A more apropos punctuation to a season you will never find than that. I just assumed that getting usurped by Devonta Freeman of all running backs, that that would be rock bottom for any running back. But no, alas, no. It wasn't enough to merely be usurped by Devonta Freeman. You had to slip in the shower, bang your head, and be out for the year. Now, I don't know if he's going to be out for the year, but the way things are going and the way this is playing out for me personally, I would just expect him to be out for the year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <sighs> And I have followers on Twitter tweeting me this information from all different angles. Yes, I get it, everybody. I see the story. Thank you. I do appreciate that, by the way, alerting me of these stories because I don't follow every beat reporter. So it's great that you do send me these stories on Twitter so I get them early in the process. I see them before most other people and then I can start to craft some jokes around it. Because you have to imagine, right, that the shower in which Tevin Coleman fell in, it was an upright shower, right? And you have to imagine he went down on first contact with the suds. It's Tevin Coleman. Of course he does. And then we have followers coming back to me and saying, well, to be fair, Mr. Clean would probably be a good inside linebacker. And I can't dispute that. I can see the announcers calling the game, by the way. I can see the sportscasters. Tevin Coleman in the game, relieving Devonta Freeman. Hand off to Coleman. He bursts through the center of the line, into the open field, into the second level. Tevin Coleman could go. Oh, but here's Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean with an angle. Mr. Clean has a mop handle. Mr. Clean takes the mop handle, pokes the ball out. Fumble! There's the balls on the ground! Tevin Coleman lost the ball. Mr. Clean poked it out with a mop handle. Dallas recovers. First and ten. Tevin Coleman heads to the sideline dejected. He'll have to hit the showers early after this game. Yeah. Hey, Tevin, why don't you hit the showers early, buddy? Be careful in there. God damn it. Be careful. At Chalky White Mike. Should give some credit to these followers handing me these jokes to use on the show. At Chalky White Mike writes, Chances the Soap Suds face a suspension? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. The question is... Were the suds provoked? Maybe the entire team brought loofahs into the shower facilities. And so then it's, it's more understandable that the suds were provoked. Get it? At Ray McGinnis writes, Does this mean Tevin is all washed up? No, Ray, it doesn't. It just means he needs a clean start. We could take this on and on and on and on. This story has been a great gift for me because I've been feeling bad about Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is the player I am most known for touting. If you do word association at fantasy underscore mansion, you think Tevin Coleman. So that, this is the player I am most known for touting is the guy that failed spectacularly in his rookie season. And at every turn, when the team tried to boost his morale or reinstall him in the offense, he found a new way to fail. He fumbled. He was stuffed on consecutive goal line carries. Now he's slipping and falling in the shower and he might be out. He's in the concussion protocol. He is. He's in the concussion protocol. This, is, this isn't possible. This isn't possible. I'm sure he hurt his head though. I feel bad. I shouldn't be laughing because he probably has a tremendous headache right now. If you're in the concussion protocol, he must have landed with a thud on the floor of the shower. I can't imagine. Again, I can imagine slipping in the shower. I've slipped in the shower before. 
The shower is a slippery place. You need to be careful. But when I slipped, I was able to grab the handle. Is it a handle? I was able to grab the, the nozzle. No, no, I didn't grab. No, it wasn't. I was able to grab the knob. No, no, not, not, not the knob. You know, the knob handle, not. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm trying to say. The mechanical thing that works the shower. Turn it on or off, cold, hot, whatever that thing is called. I can't think of a name that's not. Never mind. Anyway, I have slipped in the shower before. I was able to regain my balance somehow, some way. How I did it is really none of your business. <laughs> none of this is any of your business, actually. <laughs> but how I did it is irrelevant. Oh. See you later, Tevin Coleman. We'll see you next year. I'm sure I'll be back on board. We'll have a clean start in 2016. <laughs> Let's read some buzzard mail. Buzzard writes in, Did you hear that Jay Gruden said that Kirk Cousins was efficient with his eyes in week 15? Yes, I heard that. That was the most ridiculous coach sound, coach speak of the week. Kirk Cousins was efficient with his eyes. I love that. I love that because all these coaches do in these post-game press conferences say blatantly obvious things or nonsense. It's one or the other. And so to say that someone was efficient with his eyes, you might as well say something that's completely ridiculous. You might as well see how ridiculous you can make the statement. These coaches should do that. They should have... It was like with Marshawn Lynch. How many different ways can I say, I'm just here so I don't get fined? And it became fun for everyone. It became fun for reporters to try to get him to say something else. And I think if coaches would just admit that all they're doing is spouting platitudes after the game because they don't want to say anything that might anger one of their players or motivate their next opponent. So you have to just speak coach cliches to be maximum vanilla. Totally innocuous content. That's all the coaches provide after the game. So they should embrace that. Give the media the most ridiculous possible platitudes. Completely nonsensical. Kirk Cousins was efficient with his eyes. And then wink at the media, saying, you know I'm not going to say anything. I haven't said anything. No coach has said anything in a post-game press conference since Denny Green. So what makes you think I am going to be the one? It's not going to happen. So let's all wink and nod at each other and say the most preposterous thing I can think of. Kirk Cousins was efficient with his eyes, yes. What he could have done was to illuminate Kirk Cousins' home road splits because they are now also equally ridiculous. You could say that Kirk Cousins was efficient with his eyes, and that's ridiculous. But is it more ridiculous than the fact that Kirk Cousins has an 8.44 yards per attempt at home compared to a... 6.47 yards per attempt on the road, a two yards per attempt difference. Kirk Cousins has a six to nine touchdown to interception ratio on the road and 16 to two at home. His passer rating on the road, 74.6. But his passer rating at home, 117.0, best in the league. I mean, Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers has ever been when he's playing at home. It's incredible. And Kirk Cousins is going on the road this week to Philadelphia, and I still like him, even though he's going on the road! Because a lot of those home road splits, it's mostly randomness, let's be honest. Let's stop pretending that it's a big advantage to play at home versus on the road. We know that it swings the Vegas line three points in both directions. That's it. So most of what you're seeing in that split is randomness. And because Kirk Cousins is going to face Philadelphia, that give up 
the top five fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. I am playing Kirk Cousins this week in our weekly rankings on playerprofiler.com. We have Kirk Cousins at number 13, projected to 20.48 fantasy points this week. Last week, we had him in the top 10. There were very few fantasy quote-unquote experts that had Kirk Cousins in the top 10. We did, and he delivered a top five performance because Kirk Cousins is actually a good quarterback. We talked about this at length last week. Now, another buzzard writes in, where are you with team bench your roster? Yeah, team bench your roster. This is interesting. So there's a movement now that says, if you have nothing to play for, just bench all of your players to create maximum chaos and anarchy in your league. And I am pro-anarchy, and I'm pro-chaos. And if you indeed have nothing to play for, why not create chaos? Why not troll your league mates? I'm always in favor of doing that, making it interesting, bothering other people. I love the obnoxious in life. I am obnoxious. This whole show is obnoxious. So yes, if you want to be obnoxious in your fantasy league, go for it. Do it. The problem is I never think about doing it because my leagues never have this problem. No one in any of my leagues would ever consider benching their roster. It just would never happen. So seeing this movement appear on social media, people start talking about it. It took me a little while to fully understand the roots of the movement, why people were doing it. Like, how did this even come to be? It came to be because many leagues are set up in such a way that for swaths of the season, a number of teams are not incentivized to win. And that's a problem. In my fantasy leagues, all teams are always incentivized to win for a couple of different reasons. The first reason is in week 12, we have a king of the hill tournament. So we have four playoff teams, two division high scorers, two division win-loss leaders. And the fifth team is determined by a play-in game in week 12. So it keeps everybody in it to the very end of the regular season past the trade deadline. Then, beyond that, it's the best non-playoff teams that receive the high draft picks the following year in my dynasty leagues. So even if you're not going to make the playoffs, you're incentivized to do your best to maximize your draft position the following year. And on top of all of this, the lowest scoring team every year gets banished from the league, loses their team. So benching your roster in one of my leagues would essentially be suicidal. So I don't have to worry about owners trolling their league mates with chicanery because my rules are set up to 100% maximize competitive integrity. And then you might say, well, what about parity? Well, the quest toward parity is the root of all fantasy league evil. Essentially, when everyone is always incentivized to win, you don't have issues with player dumping, collusion, matchup integrity, which is what this team bencher roster creates, matchup integrity issues. We have none of that because every team every week is incentivized to win. That sounds simple, but 99% of fantasy leagues are not set up to do that. Now, I keep seeing this topic resurfacing. Oh, 2015 has been such a crazy year. Oh, what a crazy year 2015 has been. And then examples of why it's so crazy. Ted Ginn over Des Bryant in my rankings encapsulates how crazy this year has been. So crazy. Ted Ginn, oh my goodness. He's terrible. Des Bryant's awesome. Yet I have Ted Ginn ranked ahead of Des Bryant. That means this league is crazy. This year has been nuts. Who could have predicted? Wow, really? An NFL season with unpredictable events? No, you don't say. 
Really? And Ted Ginn specifically. I know he's an inefficient player. He has the highest drop rate in the league, but we also knew coming into the season that Ted Ginn is and has always been an explosive receiver. He was a top 10 pick because he's so explosive. And he was Cam Newton's number one receiver at the beginning of the season. So we knew this coming in. It wasn't like Ted Ginn was an undrafted free agent that received his first target at age 31 for the Carolina Panthers. That's not what happened. If you were focused on the right sorts of details, details like explosiveness and the most important detail, opportunity, then you would have had Ted Ginn ranked higher than the rest of the experts all season. And we did. Last week, we had Ted Ginn ranked in the top 30, almost 10 slots higher than Fantasy Pros. And I don't have any plans to mock Ted Ginn or any of the other surprise players that have emerged this year simply because I erred in not having them ranked higher at the beginning of the season or in any given week. That's on me. The information is always out there if you know what to look for. Or it's just randomness. And you know every year is rife with randomness in the NFL. But yet no one wants to look inward. And no one wants to accept that randomness is such a huge driver behind the productivity. Instead, what do you see? The mocking of the players. Poking fun at Ted Ginn. A lot of people just feel compelled to do that. Because it's a way to rationalize away their own failure as a fantasy expert. You miss Ted Ginn. Just Eat it. What do they do instead? Instead, they lash out at Ted Ginn. I don't do that. You just won't see me lashing out at a player who's performing well because I didn't see it coming. And the people that do that, they're hacks. Now, this week, pick up Dwayne Harris and Will Ty. Because why? For the same reasons you should have been picking up Ted Ginn long ago. Opportunity. Odell Beckham Jr. suspended. That means Dwayne Harris and Will Ty will fill a massive target void. Odell Beckham Jr. had one of the highest target shares in the league. And so when that player, when the target monster is injured or suspended, there's an enormous target void and you have to decide which players are going to step in and fill that void. I believe the two players most likely to fill the majority of that void are Dwayne Harris and Will Ty, not necessarily Ruben Randall. Because raise your hand in the audience, raise your hand or contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Do you trust Ruben Randall to absorb additional targets? A target boon, in fact? Would anyone out there trust Ruben Randall and his sub-40% contested catch conversion rate with a target boon? I wouldn't. But if you look at Dwayne Harris, Dwayne Harris has a plus 5.8 production premium this year, and it's driven by impressive strength at the catch point. 63.5% catch rate and a 57.1% contested catch rate. Dwayne Harris's ability to win in contested situations, I think, makes him best equipped to fill the Giants' superstar void. They have a superstar void in their receiving core, and I believe Dwayne Harris is best equipped to fill it, not Ruben Randall. And it's interesting, this week, the Giants face Minnesota, and they've only allowed 34.6 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers, and that's 20th most in the league, so they have a good pass defense. But if you go to footballoutsiders.com and you look at their defensive efficiency metrics, specifically for the Vikings, you'll see that number two wide receivers are plus 14.6%, meaning that while the Vikings do a great job against team number one receivers and team number three receivers, for some reason, team number two receivers shred the Vikings. 
Who's that? Dwayne Harris. Dwayne Harris also happens to be priced at the minimum on DraftKings, $3,000. So if you play Dwayne Harris, it will allow you to afford an additional high ceiling superstar somewhere else on your DraftKings roster. So there's a lot of reasons to like Dwayne Harris this week. And essentially, all of my arguments for Dwayne Harris can be applied to Will Ty. I like Will Ty for lots of reasons. He's averaged 10 plus fantasy points in each of the last five weeks since taking over for Larry Donnell, or as I like to call him, Larry Don Mel, right? The nice thing is when you look at playerprofiler.com, you check out Will Ty. He has a great prospect profile. He was undrafted, but he should have been drafted because he had a 111.4 85th percentile height adjusted speed score and a 36.1 college dominator rating. So he demonstrated explosive athleticism and uber college production. That's a tight end that should be drafted. Why he wasn't drafted? Well, he wasn't drafted because, why wasn't he drafted? Because NFL teams don't use playerprofiler.com, that's why. And this week against Minnesota, they're plus 16.3%, the seventh lowest efficiency DVOA against opposing tight ends. So Minnesota doesn't do a great job defending the tight end. So for that reason, this week specifically, I think that it will be a combination of Dwayne Harris and Will Ty that absorb all those missing Odell Beckham Jr. targets. In fact, with Will Ty, we have him as the number 11 tight end overall this week. 12.42 projected points. So most likely, if you're building a roster on DraftKings or FanDuel, there's a good chance that Will Ty will allow you to make or create the roster you want with the elite receivers you want. You want to stack Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant? That's highly recommended, by the way. You might need to play Will Ty to make that happen. Now, speaking of building lineups, last week, our optimal lineup generator was great again. Again! I mean, I keep going back to this week 13. We had a down week, week 13, where our rankings got beat by the other experts and we had some bad optimal lineups. But other than week 13, the last 10 weeks have been exceptional for both the playerprofiler.com player rankings and the lineup optimizer. Put it this way, our number one lineup on DraftKings last week had Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin and Eric Decker and Golden Tate. Now, it also had Adrian Peterson, so it wasn't great, but we identified Golden Tate as the play over Calvin Johnson. We had them projected at the same number of points, but Golden Tate was less expensive. The second lineup had Kirk Cousins in it, and Julio Jones, and Doug Baldwin, but A.J. Green. So it's difficult to have a perfect lineup, needless to say. But with our third lineup, we almost did it. Russell Wilson, David Johnson, Denard Robinson, Julio Jones, Doug Baldwin, Michael Floyd, Tyler Lockett, Ben Watson! Wow! Right? Wow! It's just math! It's just math and me making a few manual adjustments that make sense based on depth chart movement, based on the fact that we know Denard Robinson will receive five plus targets in that game, and he did. So I believe we've cracked the code and we are helping you make money with our lineup optimizer. And I appreciate all of you that are emailing the show, tweeting us, letting us know success stories. Hey, this lineup made me money this week. Oh, hey, I used your rankings to win my matchup this week. That's so cool. Please keep doing that. We love hearing those stories, the success stories, because that's what fuels us. If we were just out here generating these sophisticated rankings every week and providing these optimal lineups every week, and it was just crickets, no feedback, have no idea if they're getting utilized, we wouldn't be able to keep going. But when the minions come back at us and say, hey, 
thank you. Or even better, hey, check out this lineup that I won with. That is so cool. Love it. So looking at the rankings this week, we have a few players, a couple players I want to highlight that we have ranked higher than the experts. We have Blake Bortles at number two. Now, I'm not a big Blake Bortles fan. We all know this. The last show we did was all about how I'm not completely sold on Blake Bortles. But I also told you that Blake Bortles has yet to face New Orleans. So the best is yet to come from Blake Bortles in terms of counting stats. And what matters in fantasy? Counting stats. That's why we have Blake Bortles at number two this week. Why? Because he's facing New Orleans. The other thing with Blake Bortles is, on top of giving you five touchdown games on occasion, since TJ Yeldon got hurt, Blake Bortles has been running for touchdowns in the red zone. So that's a trend that I see continuing, and that's helping to propel Blake Bortles' ranking up, 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 up into that Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger territory. You have to start looking at Blake Bortles as a running quarterback, particularly when they don't have their red zone grinder TJ Yeldon active. The other guy is Tyrod Taylor, because look at what Tyrod Taylor has been doing recently. He has been exceptional. Week in, week out, Tyrod Taylor gives you fantasy points. That's just what he does. So eventually you have to start to realize, wow, okay, so Tyrod Taylor has one good receiver in Sammy Watkins. He doesn't have a lot of great weapons, but he's giving you 27 points, 29 points, 20 points, 25 points. Eventually he is his point totals and his point totals have been terrific. So you just need to start playing Tyrod Taylor. And by the way, can we start referring to Tyrod Taylor by the best nickname that he has? T-Mobile. T-Mobile is so much better than Ty God. T-Mobile is clever and fun. Ty God, just arbitrary and lame. So yeah, we have Tyrod Taylor, even though it looks like Dallas is a difficult matchup, Dallas isn't as efficient against quarterbacks as their fantasy points allowed suggests. So we have Tyrod Taylor at number five this week. Now at running back, we have Bilal Powell and James White, both as RB1s in fantasy. These guys aren't starters. And in many weeks, these guys don't even crack the 50% opportunity share threshold. So they're not primary backs. Bilal Powell and James White are secondary backs. But when you're scoring 10 plus fantasy points per game every week, that stops mattering. And this week in particular, it looks like a game in which both teams will be leveraging their passing down backs more than their between the tackles grinders. New England in particular, New England game plans to its opponent's weaknesses more than it game plans to its own strengths. We know this about New England. And when New England faces an efficient rush defense, their game plan skews heavily towards the pass. They just don't run the ball against great rush defenses. And the Jets recently took over for Seattle, having the least fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. So the Jets have one of the best, stoutest run defenses in the NFL. So this projects to be a game in which James White will receive significant snaps. And if James White receives significant snaps and Tom Brady throws 40 plus times, you can project James White to receive five to 10 targets. And when you start to project a running back to receive five to 10 targets, start thinking about the receiving yards he's going to compile. And then on top of that, the fact that New England likes to hand the ball off to James White in the red zone. James White will have one carry in a game, but it will be from the three-yard line, and it will go for a touchdown. So for all those reasons, we have James White in the top 10. 
along with Bilal Powell. Because Bilal Powell, week in, week out, like Tyrod Taylor, is compiling fantasy points. And that's what you want. Bilal Powell doesn't have great brand equity. Just like Doug Baldwin. Bilal Powell is the running back version of Doug Baldwin. Everyone thinks of him as this unathletic, just-a-guy player in the NFL. But this unathletic, just-a-guy player is posting 13 fantasy points, 24 fantasy points, 19 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points. Just over and over and over and over and over. Week after week after week, Bilal Powell produces, so eventually you just have to say, okay, so I guess I should play Bilal Powell. Yes, you should play Bilal Powell over a lot of running backs that have higher brand equity, that are perceived to be stars, where Bilal Powell is perceived to be just a guy. You need to play Bilal Powell over those guys. So we have Bilal Powell in the top five this week, whereas all the other experts have him outside the top 10. And so you can expect Bilal Powell to appear in a number of our optimal lineups. We also like to put the pass catching backs in GPP lineups because the pass catching backs are more volatile, but they're also capable of huge weeks like we saw with Danny Woodhead last week. They can go over 20 points if they have one of those weeks in which they receive 10 plus targets because of game flow or because of game plan. And then if they can somehow score a touchdown with all of those targets and receptions, then you have a, a weak winning performance from your pass catching back. And on sites like DraftKings and FanDuel, those pass catching specialists are typically less expensive than the every down players that have lower ceilings. So we also like Doug Baldwin and Brandon Cooks this week. Doug Baldwin and Brandon Cooks, small wide receivers that are number one options on high volume offenses. I mean, just do the math. Again, these don't look like impressive size, speed specimens. They're not. They're not Julio Jones, but it doesn't matter. Just do the math. Baldwin and Cooks have been prolific over the last five weeks, and there's no reason to think that's going to change. If you look at the tight end position, the tight ends we like this week, Julius Thomas and Ben Watson, both in the top five. Again, I'm just giving you the players that we happen to have in the top five or the top 10 that the experts have outside the top five and outside the top 10. With Watson and Thomas, if you are going to have Breeze and Bortles ranked in your top 10 or top five, if you're going to project Breeze and Bortles to score more than 25 fantasy points this week, then who are the tight ends and wide receivers that are going to be catching the passes from them? You have to balance the fantasy points that you expect the quarterback to receive with the fantasy points that you expect the members of his receiving core to receive. And Ben Watson and Julius Thomas have some of the highest target shares for tight ends in the league. And so if tight ends with high target shares are tethered to quarterbacks that are scheduled to have prolific weeks, well then those tight ends naturally need to be in the top five. Play Ben Watson and play Julius Thomas this week. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe home where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. <laughs> 